Choa. Last week, we cheated and we used a uh, question from the audience. I'm not going to cheat today. So my question for you today is, <laughs> we haven't really spoken since Christmas-ish. And uh, my question is, what, what was the what was your best piece about your Christmas? Was it a gift? Was it family time? Was it uh, roasting chestnuts over an open fire? I don't know. What do you got? <laughs> Have you ever done that, well, by the way? That's two questions. Yeah, we actually not over an open fire, but we have tried uh, one year. We we went and bought, you know, because you just don't we don't do that down here. But uh, we found some chestnuts and we roasted them in an oven. They tasted pretty good. They were pretty, pretty fine. Yeah, I can see why people like them. It's interesting. That's about it. That's all I got on chestnuts. (laughs) Uh, I did do some roasting, though. Uh, I invited my mother so, you know, I went to see my my son and uh, did my cooking then for, you know, Thanksgiving. Remember, we had the baby right on that day and I had to had to do all the cooking. I had to take up, you know, all the slack there. And anyway, so this time. But what I learned was that my mom did most of the cooking and my mother's had some major surgeries and some setbacks and stuff. And so she really didn't need to be up cooking, but I wasn't here to help. So I told her that they can just do Christmas at my house. So we did Christmas at my house and I made uh, my mom's favorite meal, which is uh, a pot roast. You know, the old we would go to uh, when I was younger, we would go to church mother before she get up early before all of us and and uh, cook the put the roast in. And by the time we got home from church, the roast was all ready to go and. Anyway, it was like an old memory. So we, uh, so I, I tried to repeat that for her. And, and so I did all the cooking for that. And then we had bought, a, you know, the little games, a little trouble. Have you, have you seen those where it has like the little pop-up dice, you hit the pop-up thing and that, and then you have to go around the board. Well, I, mm-hmm. I saw one of those and, and bought it because my little granddaughter lives with me. And so all of us sat around and it was her first time, my little four-year-old, it's her first time to actually play a game. And it was just precious to sit there and watch her learn, first of all, that there are rules to games and that you have to wait your turn. And I mean, it was like, she'd go, my turn. And we go, well, you just had your turn. And she'd go, oh, and she would throw her head down on the on the table like oh and then we go and we do our little turns and we go it's your turn she go yay <laughs> so she'd have her it was funny she finally she lasted a long time it was not until she needed two more two more tokens to or little pegs to go in her home spot um so anyway she lasted at least three three rounds uh, uh, around the board and then she finally lost interest and her mom had to help her uh, finish the game for her. and of course we made sure she won like you know we didn't always send her back and stuff like that and so uh, so she ended up getting to win and when she realized she won she threw both arms up and yay and anyway it was just neat to watch all of her expressions and then that morning I haven't had um Last year, I don't think my daughter was here for Christmas. I think I was gone. And so uh, it was neat because my granddaughter's at that age where presents mean something. Does that make sense? It's not just you trying to show her how to open a gift. She's actually excited. But she gets excited about 
you know, a, a pair of socks. She would, she ran around the room. Look, grandma, look, grandma, I got some socks. I mean, she is so excited about the things that most kids are like, ah, and let's go to try to find the toys. But she got excited about the socks. So that was really a great thing to watch her get excited about stuff that most people, you know, they're waiting for the next Game Boy or, well, that's an old time. That was a long time ago, but you know what I mean? Waiting for the technology or that, the, the tablet but now she got excited about puzzles and socks those were her most exciting things so that's what we did and i enjoyed it and it was fun wonderful. so family time wonderful wonderful time. well always a pleasure to catch up on your family but ladies and gentlemen this is the craft the drive podcast where we talk about everything under the sun related to workshop literacy and pretty much uh, our personal experiences. So if you're into that kind of thing, subscribe. I know more of you are coming over here, uh, which we're super excited about. I just want to let you know, people who listen to this podcast on Google Play, Amazon Podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever you're listening to, you can get bonus episodes that no one else hears, bonus training, access to training, especially the one that's coming up on January 7th. If you join us over there on Patreon, you can do so at the Listener or Listener Plus tier. They have different perks. Go check them out. If you can't do that but you still want to come to the training on january 7th you can ladies and gentlemen that january 7th training is open to everyone there'll be a link in this post on our website to where you can go um and you can just pay via venmo um we have some other options if those of you who don't use venmo we can make that happen but uh do venmo is 25 dollars, and you get access to the video whether you are there or not we'd love to have you there though because we always like to have a nice q a afterwards where you guys get to hang out with us ask questions dive in and all of that in between we're talking about strategies to increase engagement in the workshop sure to be filled with lots of ideas laughter and everything else so come join us whether you are a patreon supporter or just a subscriber or just someone passing by looking for some wonderful pd at the beginning of 2023 but i want to tell you that this podcast is alive and well and keeps going because of our wonderful wonderful supporters and they are alicia brandy leah mark Amy, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, and Alyssa, Destiny, Natalie, Tracy, Hannah, Lori, and Jen. They keep the lights on. They keep everything going. And they get bonus content just like you can. So go join them over there on Patreon. Now, what we're going to be doing today to kind of wrap up yet another year of podcasting, we're going to dive into what were our top five moments of 2022 related to teaching um kind of a busy year and uh, as ochoa learned when we were planning this episode this we're stretching this literally from the beginning of 22 till now meaning this isn't just this school year it's also <laughs> last school year yeah i was uh, panicked <laughs> yes i know this like this school year's been rough for oh, some like of five? us yeah so <laughs> We're going to top our top five uh, moments. So maybe you have some. Maybe you can share some in the comment section. If you're a Patreon person, feel free to send us a DM. Send me a DM. If you're not a Patreon supporter, let me know what your top moments were. We'd be love to read those out uh, on our next episode to start 2023. But without further ado, ladies and right. gentlemen, let's jump into it. All righty, Miss Ochoa. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? <laughs> I was a little nervous, but when you added, you added all of 22, I'm good now. So whatever you want to do. Uh, you can go first. You start us right. off. 
I, uh, I, so just to let you know, the way I'm going to read mine, I gave mine a hierarchy. So I know, Oh, I know the, my most, uh, celebrated moment. Now, all of these are celebratory, but I, I did it from, so as we go deeper, the moments will become more impactful. My bigger moments of 2022. So I'm going to end with the grand finale, but, uh, you can do it however you want. That's how I'm going to do it. That's well, I might do, do it, it that way because I kind of wrote them down that way a little bit. Actually, they're kind of, yeah, I wrote them down kind of like that, except I went from the top to the least. So I'll go in the opposite. I'll go from my least to my top. Um, First of all, I just want to say that it is always a pleasure in my class when I look around the room during reading and writing time. You know, we've been discussing a little bit of reading and writing time before our as we were talking today. And so that made me think about that. But when I look around and this happened throughout the year, it's still happening now. And that is when I give those times and I look around, especially at the end of last, you know, like the last half of the semester or the last half of the year, which would have been last year. Um, like around April, January, February, May, right in there, it's like the kids have finally figured out what reading time is all about and what writing time is all about. And they have stuff to work on. And it's almost like, it feels really bad to say, uh, we got to go to the next thing. I'm sorry. Y'all got to stop. And so, because they get so involved in it. And I found that last year, uh, that was really happening. It was like, I'd look around the room and, and, you know, everybody was just like, it was quiet and you look up and they're all in their books and they're not reading. And what's really cool about it is towards the end of the year, they're not reading those little um, younger books, if you will, from the year before that, that they, you know, like um, um, I'm trying to think of some of the books, dog man, you know, those kind of the books from the younger levels and all of that, they've actually moved on to actual novels and things. And so it was really cool to look around and see, even in my most disruptive classes that people are, are picking up books and they're actually starting to read because they're getting involved in their reading. But then also when they're writing, when you're sitting there and, and this would have, especially last year, I'd look up in some of my classes and I mean, you could just hear the pins going across the desk. It, it's just, those are just the most magical moments. Cause it's like, I get chills when that happens. So that's probably my least as far as like, you know, excitement, but uh, it's starting to happen here just recently. I noticed right before Christmas, people were starting to read and do a little bit more where it's more consistent. Does that make sense? So those, those moments are great. They happen every year, but you always think at the beginning of the year, there's no way these kids will ever read and write because they're all like, Meh. but then that after they come back, they just, it's just really neat. You know, I have a, a similar one for this one, ironically enough, but it was, ah. <clears throat> uh, it wasn't for a breakthrough necessarily like that. It was a breakthrough with a kid who I, uh, he had, uh, you know, numerous things that kept him from liking English. You know, he was dyslexic. He never really did good in school. His brother, who I also taught, was just naturally brilliant, right? It just was really gifted in a lot of ways. And so he was like, you know, he was kind of like the runt, so to speak. 
And he kind of acted like that a little bit, but he hated reading. He hated writing. He liked my class, though, and he had some positivity with me because I taught his brother. Um, and lo and behold, and this will be funny for anyone who listens to the podcast regularly. Eventually, I got him on a book called Long Way Down uh, by Jason Reynolds, and he was like halfway through it, or just like, it takes to about page 10, because that's where kind of the, the plot starts. And once he hit that, uh, he was sold. He was like, holy crap, books are like this? And I was like, heck yeah, books are like this. Um, <laughs> and so once I got him there, though, he read that pretty quick. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe about two weeks it took him, you know, for a struggling reader. And then after that, it took me a little bit and I was like, you know what? I think there might be another book that, uh, that you'll like now. It's not written the same. It's not in poetry form. So there's a lot more words on the page, but I promise you it's not difficult. It's one of the most famous books of all time. It's short, but it deals with some of the similar themes. He goes, okay. Hand to him. It was the outsiders. And he ended up diving in he loved it right and it took him way long i'm pretty sure he read the it like took him like five months to get through that book almost like your class <laughs> things to say uh, you can't spend a long time on that book uh but no he, he really long book. he enjoyed it but what happened during this process right is he also started writing more because he was reading books that were kind of speaking to his experience right he has some experience with gang activity some uh, criminal activity. He had experiences with, you know, just that, that group mentality that's kind of associated in both those books, different generations, but relative, I mean, it's still the same human emotion. And so what he did was he started, he felt because there was fiction like that, that was really speaking to him and kind of his life. He started writing about his life. And so what happened was, is he started writing so much and he would show me like these, like, it was really just like kind of in paragraphs, um, but he would write down things about his life, things that he had seen and stuff. And he started telling me, he was like, Chastain, I've never written anything in my life. And he's like, I've never read a book until this class. And so he, he was probably one of my biggest breakthroughs uh, for this year that I'll probably always tell that story um, just because, you know, I was you walk away with a bunch of stories with different kids. But. Um, you know, I just see his trajectory has been improved because of that experience. And, you know, like I said, it happens every year in different ways with different classrooms with different kids for different reasons. But, um, it's always nice to see the breakthroughs and it, it validates what we do, of course. But, uh, that would be number five for me, Miss Ochoa. What's your number four? Well, number four is when the kids have written and uh, this happened this year. It happened. It happens every year because I do this every year. But and you know that I've talked about this, but where the kids are sharing their writing. That's another magical moment. But I have. Um, just every year, it just amazes me that they'll go ahead and do it. But what's neat this year was the feedback that the kids, you know, we're giving each other and they actually have it in their, their notebooks. And uh, we've done it at least twice, uh, one for each piece. And uh, the kids are uh, 
they they look forward to it. But this one uh, situation, our academic coach walked in while they were all doing this. And so that was that was exciting because the thing about the way they share their their writing is everybody is active. That's probably the one time that I have a hundred percent participation and there's no question about it. And so it's, it's just really neat. And so, um, but this particular time at the beginning, and it was one of those rough classes I was having and they were all, they had all written something because they, they were, even if it was small, they still wrote something, but she was like, how'd you get them to do this? <laughs> so it was just neat to, to actually ha- surprise an adult in the room because the kids were so involved and I always, always take pictures of them uh, reading their writing and they're laughing and crying. And, um, cause you know, every once in a while we have one that ends up crying cause they write about stuff that's so personal. Um, I did have one though, that, um, one person this year, she's in my honors class, but she is one of these very shy, like, like I think COVID really helped her uh, in the sense that help her stay shy because she covered her eyes. She wears glasses. Her, her hair is in bangs and it covers all the way down to the middle of her eyes. And then she loves her mask. And so she wears her mask. So you just see this little slit And so, um, and she's just one of those that just, she's, she's very quiet. She stays to herself. I mean, sharing is not something she would really want to do. And so I made sure that she was involved with some people that were really nice. And it was really neat because she goes, but Miss Ochoa, I can't, I'm not very good at writing. And I'm like, well, no, let's find out what they think. We won't know until somebody hears it. She goes, well, but I I don't know if I want to do this. And I'm like, no, yeah, you can, you can do this. You can do this. And I said, I'll sit right here, right beside you and we'll, we'll do it. And so um, she, she read it, but it was not loud enough for everybody to hear it. So I went ahead and read it again for her. Uh, just because I made her read some of it so that she could get that practice. But I went ahead instead of, I didn't want it to be a, a terrible moment. So I went ahead and read it for, her. but the feedback that the kids gave her were like, Oh my gosh, I loved how you described blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was a, it was a scary story about monsters and zombies, but she really described the way they looked and, and, you know, how things were dripping off of them and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it was just really graphic and the kids just loved it. And all of a sudden she's like, you know, her mask, she now no longer wears her mask so much. And, uh, and she's starting to share. And I mean, she really is a good writer. She just needed a little encouragement, but it was a sharing activity. The encouragement for me was not enough. But when these kids wrote down their feedback and gave it to her, you could just see her straighten up a little bit more. And and now she doesn't mind sharing. She She still has her own little group. She won't share across the room, but she'll share with these kids because... So she's starting to share her writing. So that's a, that's a big, to me, that's, that's a big breakthrough. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. And this is something I, you know, I I talk about rightfully empowered, which is, you know, we sharing is good. And it's one of the things that you're incredible about. Um, And I know we were (laughs) off air. We were talking about, you know, the craft and draft book, which is still in progress, but we were talking about uh, how there's, there's so like, this is something that needs to be in the book on how to do this right. Because 
Um, it, it's only really a footnote in Rightfully Empowered, but I uh, the kind of the point I make there is, you know, we from a, the earliest time in schools, right? We get kids to, we want them to open up and share and share things about themselves. So you start creating that classroom community. But as kids get older, uh, we start relying on a lot of writing for that. And so writing becomes this very abrasive task because it's so personal. And so people put up walls around them for everything they write. And so you get kids who do these, you know, these get to know you activities, which are great. I'm not, I'm not uh, taking any of that away, but when we focus it on writing or writing about yourself or doing any of that, you're, it's more personal, but I feel like we don't really treat it like that in schools. And so kids have these walls and they never really get past them. And so by the time they get to middle school or high school, they have so much resistance to sharing and so much resistance to writing, uh, because of these, you know, on the surface, very good things. Um, I think it's just something that gets overlooked a lot. And so that you're just really great at that. And, um, it's always nice to see that success, but I think it's important. Um, that might be worthy of a podcast on its own, but in any case, yeah. uh, number four is goes back to the beginning, really, of the kind of school year, which was um, or not the beginning, but just kind of all of it, which was just being able to spend a year with the strongest ELA group I have ever had right i've ever been a part of or seen we were the i know i miss y'all so we were much. we were the strongest team uh that was the strongest vertical team i've ever been on too it was just yeah you know we okay. had we had a principal who knew what she was doing who trusted our process um who listened to us when we had concerns when we had complaints who validated those but also pushed back a little bit like we we didn't get away with murder you know we still had to uh mm-hmm. do quite a bit of things that we didn't want to but it was always done with professionalism um and it was done as a team like we were all pretty much on par with each other uh there i mean there might have been a few instances where just some of the personalities didn't uh, philosophically align with the whole goal but uh, though because of the team was so strong none of that was really a problem um and i think that just that speaks highly to the people that were there but it was it was a nice like if i could have you know one of the reasons why i was even considering leaving at the end of the school year was because it was such a good year, right? We were, we were closing out so many chapters. Um, at least for me, you know, I had been there for so long. We, I I had always said I would leave when either my principal that was with me left, or we, we improved the school that truly showed the work that we were doing there. And both happened really Mm -hmm. kind of at the same time. Um, and it just happened to coincide with a really great English team. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I will think back on that team probably for the rest of my life because it was, it's just hard to imagine a better team. Like we, we were all very aligned philosophically. We were all doing, you know, or at least even on our seventh grade team, we were all doing, you know, uh, the craft and draft system. So it was really cool to see how we were all tweaking it and, and messing with it and just seeing what we could do. And then, you know, we would go into data talks and there was really, you know, other than, you know, inevitably one of us feeling bad because we were the low man on the totem pole. It was always friendly competition. It was always, 
you know, oh my God, you, you got me on this standard, but I got you here. And you know, it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was very healthy. Um, in a lot of places where some of that stuff can get toxic. And so it was, it was, it was nice for multiple reasons. If I knew every year would be like that, um, I probably wouldn't have done anything, but that's going to be the model. Like for the way that was set up and the way we were empowered to do that by our leader, uh, and the hiring that went in. And I was lucky enough to be a part of that, you know, the hiring decisions we made, um, that's something that's totally influencing how I think about my role as a assistant principal, but definitely when I get to the principalship level, because that's what I want to do on a bigger scale. I want to mm-hmm. take that blueprint and see what it looks like in science, see what it looks like in math, see what it looks like in world languages and really work to create some powerful teams for kids and families and society and everything else. And, um, uh, there's a part of me that's sad that it was it's over and we'll never have that team again, at least in that capacity. Um, but you know what? It's also this has been a year for me l- legit. Um, and I'll probably talk about this on my Teach Me Teacher New Year's episode. But truly, this is the first year where I've had to come to terms with things, no matter how good they are, change. Mm-hmm. D- nothing stays good forever. The the best times fade like and you don't forget them. You know, they're always with you, but time passes. And I think that's a as a young person, you know, relatively I'm 32. uh, That's that's really new for me because everything has been new. You know what I mean? I haven't lived long enough to kind of had these passages of time. And I think this was, you know, my seven, eight years at that campus were really the first time where I had to go. Holy crap. I'm walking away from something that's incredible on purpose. <laughs> like that. That's yeah. a weird feeling. And I know you've done it yeah. several times. You've had so many iterations of your life. That's really fascinating yeah. to me. And I think that's why I look to you for mentorship in a lot of ways, because oh. you've done, you've just done so many things and you've gone through amazing times. You know, when you talk about when you were at, a. Uh, you know, Smithfield, you know, you're, you talk about that time as just some of your happiest moments in teaching of all time and, and changing that. But you, you have a lot of those moments speckled, but that because you have a lot, that means you've had to say goodbye and that's hard. Oh yeah. Well, I do. I mean, one of the, one of my, my most favorite times is when I taught that English and geography and uh, the superintendent moved me and because he wanted to replicate, but you can't replicate. That's the thing is you can't replicate something that's great, that's you know, true. and um, sometimes and I don't think that what we had last year can be replicated uh, easily. I mean, because you, you have so many different personalities that are involved, but we just happen to have the right group and our seventh grade group, you know, um, our partner, you and me, we just like you said, I think because we were so philosophically grounded in similar, you know, we we saw what needed to be done in English, what needed to be done in reading. And we saw how they blended together and we figured out a way to, to do it. And, uh, and I think our scores uh, showed that. And uh, I think that was an exciting time. I, I, it'll be one of my favorite times too. Yep. It's just, it's a, you know, it is, I mean, looking at just what it took to create that, I mean, Seven years on one campus. I say eight because I taught for eight, but seven years on one campus uh, 
took to get I saw so many iterations because I you know as people know that campus we lost like you know like fifty percent of our teachers every year so oh yeah I never had a team that was really solid there's a few of us um who've been around and uh kind of saw the permutations but I saw so many different groups of people and nothing was like that. So it was, it's pretty incredible. I mean, so like you said, it it doesn't happen easily. Yeah. It took seven years to get there. (laughs) Truthfully. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, uh, the only way you found me was by leaving. That's right. And so, and I was happy (laughs) then too. That was when I left to go there. Uh And when you and I ended up working together, that was previously that was the best year of a teacher I ever was like that was uh-huh that was where everything was oh that was the year me. you got teacher of the year wasn't it it was teacher of the year the book was coming out the podcast was getting that was really when it was hitting it's it's like well, upward trajectory it was all at once yeah because you were we were in the office together when you were looking uh during our break and you were like because <gasps> your your uh podcast went yeah, Hit a million or something. I don't know. It, it yeah. a big number. It's it was your biggest number at that time. Yeah, and it just it was it was that was a wild time. But that was this a moment of really great. Uh, everything was just kind of happening at once, and I walked away. It just, I guess that's what I do. So if you know I'm if you know I'm happy that change is coming, <laughs> I guess I'm starting to learn something about myself. <laughs> well, yeah. you know it's it's. Um, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, it's probably better to leave on the happy moments. Because in that way, that way you never have saying. a bad one. You don't want to. You don't want to leave on a on a low note. If you if you have a choice, you don't want to leave on a low note. <laughs> well, if it starts to get low, I mean, you know, I left and I, you know, I I enjoy being in the classroom. That's you know, you taught me, I guess, because I got to help you quite a bit, and we were kind of you you let me help you with that class and everything, and. I did kind of miss being with the kids. I never really wanted to be out of the classroom. The The school moved me. The district moved me. I, I get moved a lot. I get moved based on most, I think almost all the time, it has been on, uh, we need you here. We need. We know what you can do, and we need you to be able to do it here. And so that's a lot of the times. And I think that's really what you kept asking me to come over. And, and you're like, if you just come over, we'll have a better, you know, in... And I, you must have said something to our principal because when I walked into her office, she's like, "This is an interview. I'm already sold." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> if you'll just come over, we know we can move move us beyond to the next level, whatever." Well, and that that speaks to how trusted I was with her, and that was that was no small task. She's a beast, man. Our <laughs> she's hardcore. She's one of the most hardcore principals I ever worked for. Yeah, she is. She's a good one. Yeah, she was great. She's a inspiration. You always, you always knew where you stood. Let me tell you. That's right. I think that's the honest. I, I mean, like that better. You ruffle some with that better. I know you <laughs> ruffle some feathers as a leader that way, but truthfully, you get the right things that way. Yeah, you do. You do. All right. What's your What's your number three, Ochoa? Uh, number three. Number three. Well, this year, you know, starting out, I didn't have my group, as we just mentioned before, and uh, starting new people, etc. And, you know, you never know how a new year is going to go when everybody you're working with is pretty much brand new. And so, um, so anyway, I, I was glad to know that no matter what I was going through on the outside or the nervousness and all of that, I, 
about the second week or third week of school, might have been the third week, in one of my classes at the end of the day, which has really turned out to be one of the best classes I think I've ever had. Um, but this girl, she um, just, we were all quiet. We were doing our stuff. And she goes, Miss Ochoa, I just love you. This is the most calm class I have ever been in in my entire life. She says, you are so calm and I just want to, you just make me want to read. You make me want to write. I mean, it was just like, well, thank you. You know, I appreciate it. So to me, I was in my mind, I was going through, I guess, you know, I was, I was like struggling as we shared at the beginning of the school year, Pam, what's going on now? Ah. And so for her to say that to me about my classroom right in the middle of what I thought was a turmoil moment, um, I thought I thought that was a good win for me in the sense that it wasn't coming across to my students that I was all shook up in a way. Does that make sense? And so um, and, and of course, you know, you keep your systems in place. And I think if you allow your systems to work and, you know, the atmosphere in the room and all of that stay the same, uh, I think it really helped this person. And she's uh, now that I've gotten to know her a little bit, she really struggles in the sense that her home life situation is pretty rough and some other things. So for her to be able to come to my room and have a moment of peace, I think if I can't offer kids, if you know, if I can't get them to read, if I can't get them to write, if I can at least offer them a little peace in their life, hey, that's a win, isn't it? It is. And I, honestly, I mean, I think that's, I always thought of that as, a, you know, one of the, the side effects of just creating a great classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we, we rank, uh, these things a little differently depending on who we are. So they're like what well, you always see, like, you know, what are schools for and everything? And, you know, we'll talk about being a safe environment. And that stuff's true. But I think if you're teaching at a really high level and you're creating a classroom that has systems and procedures and honors the kids that are in your class, what I mean by honors is really just teaching to who they are, being responsive to who they are rather than trying to fit them into some type of box. Um, mm-hmm. I think that automatically does so much for their social emotional side. Like I, I feel like we've, you know, not to lean into the political side of these conversations, but there is an element to where some of these terms like social emotional needs and stuff have been kind of, uh, presented in a certain way that are creating a lot of conflict with people on a lot of sides. Um, and truthfully, it's not bad. It's, it's the over, focus on certain things, right? Schools are meant to educate. They're meant to move kids forward. They're meant to grow. They're meant to give kids a foundation so they can go forward. They're not meant to, to alter the way kids, uh, believe directly. Now education can do that, but that's really not the job of education necessarily. Um, schools can protect kids and they do. They often do a lot of social work that we don't talk about enough. But they're really there to get kids to be educated and to move forward. And so I think if you're creating a great classroom, it automatically kind of takes care of some of that other stuff. And we just got to we just got to get back to really talking about, like, how do you do that? How do you how do you mix content with team building? How do you mix, you know, content with, uh, you know, making sure that kids are taken care of the way they need to? And so 
you know, all of that's good. So I, I second what you say there. Um, my number three, and I feel like my, my top three, which is what we're into now is a <laughs> kind of obvious ones, but it is what it is. Number three is starting as an AP. Um, Oh, you did that this year? I did. <laughs> Jury's still out. I'm just kidding. Um, no, oh, I'm just impressed you're still doing it. I know. I told you. I don't. I don't think I'd have done a week. <laughs> it is the craziest job I've ever had. I got to tell you that it is. It is intense and wonderful and crazy all at the same time. I mean, the amount of stuff that can just go down in a school. I mean, I'm in a. I'm on a campus with like 2,400 kids, um, and so. It is just wild, uh, but it's super cool to, you know, see, you know, my biggest fear jumping into this role was losing touch with a lot of stuff and, you know, just being a disciplinarian and not being able to focus on what I care about, which is, you know, helping teachers and creating really great classrooms and um, focusing on literacy in a variety of ways and interacting with kids and their families. And, you know, I made that a priority. I was like, if I'm going to make this work, I have to focus on what I care about. Now I, I can't ignore the other stuff. Um, I have to be disciplinarian. Unfortunately, you know, the referrals still come to me. Um, but I can do that the way that I feel like they should be done. Um, and it's funny because it is a little different. You know, my, my secretary is like, Chastain, we got we got to go faster than this. You can't have a conversation with every kid that comes in your office. And I was like, you know what? I have time for a conversation for every kid that comes to my office. Now, there's some that are quicker. Um, but when I want a kid to be to feel better by the time they left my office. Now, am I always successful? No, because some, you know, they're teenagers. <laughs> Sometimes they have a, an attitude and they, they hate me because I'm getting them in trouble or I caught them doing something or, you know, anything like that which is fine. It's fair. You know, it's like when you tell a kid to take their hat off and they roll their eyes at you, it's not about you. They're just teenagers. It is what it is. Um, but going through that process and really focusing on building relationships and, uh, you know, I'm always excited when I can walk into, you know, lunchroom duty or whatever. I walk in and I got tables just calling me over to tell me something that happened to update me on their life, update me on a class, just to complain, just to ask questions or whatever. It happens all the time and it's super cool. And, the fact that I'm able to pull it off really as a first year AP in a way that I feel like is successful um, makes me excited about, you know, the next year and the next year and the next year. And then ultimately being a principal where I can kind of be the the leader for, you know, creating a class or a school that does that. You know, I was always happy and I loved creating my own classroom that was safe and invited kids in and kids wanted to be in the classroom and we would dance at the door and. You know, it was a it was a place that kids felt comfortable. You know, I want to see if I can make a school like that. Can I build a school that does those things that where all the adults have, you know, mostly positive relationships with all the kids? Um, and it's an interesting challenge and it's exciting that I've seen some light at the end of the tunnel amongst all the craziness, because I got to tell you, I've never been so busy in my entire life. It's it's been quite consuming. It, it has made me put a bunch of projects on hold to the point to where I think this is the first Christmas break where I've done nothing. Like I have literally done nothing. <laughs> really? I mean, other than podcasts with you, like I've, <laughs> I've kind of like once all the responsibilities kind of faded away, I just like collapsed on my couch for a week. Like I, right. I got up and, uh, you know, clean, I was, if people follow me on social media, I was cleaning my office and, 
I did like this huge clean. My wife woke up and she was like, what the heck is going on? I was like, we're cleaning saddle up. And I was just like <laughs> going through it because I literally done nothing for a week. And I, I never do that. Usually once break starts, I'll give myself like a day or two. And then I'm back at it. I'm writing, I'm podcasting, I'm doing all this stuff. I literally did nothing. And that was, that was literally, I think it was, I think back to my first year of teaching. I think it was like that to where I didn't, <laughs> I, it was like, you know what I mean? Like you're just, you're holding on for dear life. And then a break comes and you're like, holy crap. And you just like fall back. <laughs> and it's, and I think, cause everything was new, right? Like I, I tried to lean heavily. Like I know teaching, I know curriculum, I know all that stuff. So I felt really comfortable in those moments. But that's like 30% of my job. There's so many other things going on. So even though it's been the craziest time, I've learned a lot. And uh, it's definitely a highlight. I, I'm enjoying my time as an AP. And uh, it's an experience that I feel like I'm able to take in a lot of different directions. Like it's already affecting, you know, just the, the conversations that we even have on the podcast. It's, uh, you know, speaking to it from just a, a different perspective. Um you know, I was worried that I would lose some of that touch, but because we're talking about it all the time and I'm seeing different things in different classrooms, I feel like it, it honestly enhances, uh, kind of this side. Cause you're still holding down the fort on the classroom perspective and I'm taking it from a more bird's eye view. So it, I think it just gives us, it just diversifies the conversations, uh, that I get to have with you and everyone else. And it's been, a, it's been a net positive, um, for the most part, for sure. Well, I was wondering how you were holding up. Now we know you collapsed. <laughs> I literally did. I have I have not done that in so long. I literally didn't do anything for a week. That's why my house was so dirty. You know, everything was just <laughs> like, you know, there's crap everywhere. There was presents everywhere. It was just like, oh, my God, we got to I got to do something about this. I can't live like this. Yeah, well, it's a it's a tough job. That administration is there's a reason why they get paid a little bit more. Um especially if they do a good job. So, well, I don't have anything like that. I'm still at the same school. <laughs> but I um I did have a student. I've already shared this with everybody, but it, but when you asked me to think about some of my highest moments, but a girl that I had last year that wanted to be a marine biologist, uh one of the assignments that she did so you know, I let them do research, right? I mean, I, I include research in just about everything that they do uh, for the most part. I sh show them where you can do research on just about everything. But anyway, this particular time, we were supposed to be doing some sort of informational or research or something like that. So so anyway, I was showing them uh, that, but I wanted them to, to be able to vary their products. So she decided, this towards the end of the year, to do... Um, a website on marine biology. So she created her own website and, you know, all through, I think, uh, I don't really know what program. I think I showed her Google sites, but I think she probably did a different one that somebody else showed her. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is she did a really good job and she wanted to be a marine biologist. And and that was the idea was them to, to be able to look and learn more about whatever they wanted to. And um, they had to write about it and then they had to, you know, present it in some way. So anyway, this year she came to me 
And, you know, last year, I know that you were asked to go to the volleyball game at the end. Well, she was a volleyball player. And so she asked me to represent her, you know, invited me to be the teacher that made a difference in her life, so to speak, and to be able to sit. So I did get a volleyball and I got a little gift from her and uh, I came and watched her play. But what was really cool about it is right before that, when she gave me the the um, invitation, her comment to me was, well, Miss Ochoa, I loved your class. I wish I could be back in it. She said, but one of the things is, I'm not going to be a marine biologist now. I'm going to be a writer. And uh, and I and I want you to come to my volleyball game. So it was kind of like that. I mean, I think that's a highlight. When you ask, they have a dream and then they change their dream because they're in your class. Now, I told her she could be a marine biologist and a writer. So she might as well just do both. But uh, but just the, the mere fact that she wants to be a writer because she was in my class. I think that that's always a win. And, uh, and then she honored me by, uh, you know, they give you a little banner. So there's like a banner on the wall and with your name on it and all that stuff. So, so they, they're actually showing you that you meant publicly that you meant something to them. So it was a, it was a pretty big honor. So anyway, I was real pleased. I think that's great. I love that, uh, they do that there. Um, at that campus, do you know just Think having you're those? Mute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not. Uh, I wasn't muted on my side. I muted because my puppy's walking around, mm. doing her thing, being obnoxious. She's in here now, so I might have to get her out. But I'll let her be here for a second. My, uh, I was saying it's so good that the that we do that on that campus. You know what I mean? That there's mm-hmm. so much. I, I like the the celebration and. Showing kids. Oh, what's up? Look, she's peeking out. Little puppy. Hi there. She's cutie. She's getting big. Um, but yeah, here, actually, let me get her out real quick. One second. Okay. Come on. Go. I lied. She's just going to stay in here. She already peed outside on the oh, okay. right out front of my door. So that's fine. Um, anyway. All right. So my next one, and this is probably less <laughs> of a positive, but it is, it's a significant event. Nonetheless, I would say it was my top thing, but really saying goodbye to my eighth graders who were now freshmen and who I taught from sixth grade to seventh grade and then had them in slam. And for those of you who know, I basically mourned them for (laughs) weeks on the podcast. I had my favorite experience, by the way, was, uh, Related to this was Jen Kleiber, who she might, I, I know we keep saying this because our plan is to bring a few more guests on in 2023. Um, but Jen might be a really good one to bring on. I think she has yeah. some interesting perspective about literacy. She would love to come on, but she, uh, I had her, uh, she was at a training I was at 
and we were, she was presenting and stuff and her and I were just chatting afterwards. And once someone goes, I saw someone looking at us and she was like, I don't, I don't remember what she said, but she was like, Jacob Chastain and Jen Kleiber in the same room. Like, so she was, she was a fan of teach me teacher and stuff like that, which is kind of funny. But her, uh, uh, Jen had said, you know, we were, I was just talking about, you know, closing out the year and being sad about it and all this other stuff. She was like, yeah. And I was watching on social media. You're really mourning. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it's true. They were, that's a, I mean, that's another example of not everything great stays the same. Like you, things got to move on. Time passes. You know, this is, like I said, this is kind of the theme for me is really learning how to deal with really saying goodbye to some of the most positive experiences I've ever had. And those kids, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky that a lot of their families are still in contact. You know, we, I talked to them, you know, on Thanksgiving and on Christmas and had reached out to just, you know, their parents and, you know, wishing them well. And the, the puppy that's in my office right now is from one of my previous students and her family. And, um, so they're all still with me. Obviously, I still have the rightfully empowered little cardboard cutout that they all signed. I have it in my office, not this one, my school office. I have their letters. I have a yearbook filled with all the things they wrote me that I it's like my most treasured possession. And so but those kids saying goodbye, it's really the reason it's a highlight is because I, I was the fact that the goodbye was so hard is why it's a highlight, because it's like, man, I have, you know, literally hundreds of kids that I've taught, but I have a strong, you know, it's about 60 of them who were just some of the best human beings I've ever been around. Some of the best teaching experiences I've ever had. Uh, they're incredible people. And it was, it was such a highlight because it was like, man, I'm really lucky. Like I'm sad right now. Not right now talking on the podcast, but at the time it was like, man, this is really hard and depressing, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was also a, a you know, if, if you have something to be sad about to say goodbye to, that's a good thing. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to do it, but it truly is a positive when you're like, man, this is really hard to, to walk away or say goodbye because it's, that usually means that, you know, you're, you're a fortunate person. Not everyone is as, as fortunate. I wasn't fortunate until I was an adult as a kid. And in my teenage years, I said bye easily. I was like deuces and I was out and I left and I did it all the time. And now I'm at a place where that's getting harder and harder to do because I have more positive experiences. So just from a life perspective, from a teacher perspective, from a human perspective, that is definitely the second kind of biggest thing that happened was uh, realizing how fortunate I am to to be a part of so many amazing people's lives and their families. Well, that's pretty awesome. And yes, it was it was something to see. What uh, I think you clogged up the the doors, <laughs> the entryway. Our they AP had to was like, move. "Go outside, go somewhere else. We got to get them out of here." And nobody, they were crying on the way because I had my duty station, and they had to when they finally left you, they had to walk by me to go home, and they had tears in their eyes. <laughs> they were mourning just as bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was something I don't think I'd ever seen anything like that before. So I have to say, I, I can see why you were mourning. Those kids loved you. They still do. So yeah, pretty cool. That was good to see. Now, uh, this one, the, my, my last one here, I, I think was probably my biggest win for last year. And I'm hoping we have uh, a breakthrough moment like this for this year. 
I'm not sure. You know, you never know if it's going to happen or not. But, you know, we're we're um, as teachers, as tragic as it is, we're graded by the scores that we can produce. And that's just that's just how it is. Right. So we were over there that one day where we were looking at all the scores after the star test came in. We were looking at the year before and, the, you know, just to see if we got any growth because, you know, schools, our school is, uh, the school itself is, you know, judged by several factors. And one of them is uh, by growth. You know, how how far can you move these kids? And when these kids come into us, they're pretty low for the most part. Uh, would you agree mm-hmm. on that? And when they come in, so so the so when you see our sixth grade team versus our seventh, and then you move them, like you're talking about that vertical alignment that we had. And when you see these kids grow from when they walk in, just by looking at their scores, the growth that they get is pretty amazing. But this one particular girl, she um she's kind of a quiet kid, kind of similar to that one, I guess. These kids that are a little shy and nervous about their ability and things like that, they kind of are reclusive. I think, you know, I always kind of want to see them kind of open up a little bit. It's kind of cool to watch them grow. But she came in with a score of, I don't even know if she passed the star test. She might have passed it, but it was like barely. Pretty low number. But she was on one of our you know, on our radar as somebody that I needed to move, you know, and to work with. And so I had lots of different conversations with my kids, you know, that, that I bring them up to my desk or wherever I'm at. And we look, actually look at their scores. We talk about where they're at, what do they need to work on? And, and, um, you know, I show them what skills that they need to, you know, what standards and, and I give them suggestions, you know, one or two suggestions that they need to do on their own, plus whatever I have them do. But anyway, this one particular girl um, is in my on, on level class, and she was a struggling reader. At least it seemed like she was uh, all through sixth grade year. Her star test was that. But if you remember, we were looking and I was like in shock because this little girl scored higher than anybody else in our um school last year she got the highest score so she went from one of the lowest scores to the highest scores with um in my class so it was it was pretty cool to to see the kind of growth it was over 300 points of growth and uh you just don't see that very often and actually we ended up getting a distinction uh this year because of the growth so we actually our growth gave us one of our distinctions. So it's pretty cool that we got a distinction on that, but I'm not so sure that this, this girl's growth isn't the one that gave it to us. But one of the things that she did is she would come to me. So am I doing better now, Miss Ochoa? And so we would actually look at her scores all through the year. She was very receptive. And when I told her you need to move off of, uh, you know, you can still read this. She loved graphic novels, a certain one that she just, that's the only one she would read. And I said, look, if you're going to get better, we've got to move you to read other things. I'm not saying you can't read this book. I'm saying let's add to your reading collection and let's, and so she would, she'd go, okay, I do want to do better. And so she would actually try and and do those things. And uh, it was just neat to watch her, 
uh, grow like she did. It was it was pretty amazing. I hope they get the, a similar growth from her. But uh, she did a she she gained a lot, and I think to me that was just that spoke volumes to me to keep doing what I'm doing, and that uh, that maybe there is something to this workshop and craft and draft book and because you know she would keep her her data and all that in her in her craft book and we did you know we followed you know we'd look at the standards we'd go back and look and you know did you do well at this one this is what you need to do on this one you know etc so it was pretty cool I think that was a big win uh for last year and of course everything else that you mentioned the team and all of that was fun and uh I miss everybody, but that's okay. I'm not going to cry today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number one, like it could not be this, but rightfully empowered dropped. And it was quite the experience in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it was the culmination of a lot came out March 4th. But it was we did a book launch, which was really the highlight of the whole thing. Of course, I love having a book out there and, uh, you know, helping people through that. But doing the book launch with the kids. So number two, and number one are kind of the same thing. But being able to uh, put all those kids in a room, let them, you know, they all dressed up and, uh, you know, we had snacks and whatnot. Their parents came that way more parents came than I ever thought would. Oh, and, yeah. They did. It was well. It was so funny because there were parents there who were, you know, they were wanting multiple copies of stuff. You know, all the kids got a copy, but they were, you know, extra copies. Uh, you know, the parents had to kind of pay for, and so uh, I wasn't expecting any of them to do that. But of course, there were some families who were they just kept coming back to me, and you know, oh, they want one, they want one, we want this. So it was this really prideful thing, and it had me thinking. Just you know, teachers, we talk so much about you know wanting like we want parents involved. We have all of this, but there, you know, sometimes schools just do a really bad job about getting families engaged. Um, right. and I'm not saying you have to publish a book to do it, but it's there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And so it was, it was really cool for, I mean, truthfully, like if that was all that happened, if we just got to do the book launch and then they got to be, you know, out there in, in that way, then that would have been a really good success for me. But the fact that the book gets to live on, they get to always look back on that. They, they will always know, you know, some of those kids are going to go off and be writers. Like they're going to do something with their words one way or another. And that's going to be, it's, it's a constant remind, like that book is a time capsule for those kids, the work that we did in that workshop, uh, the, the, the feats that we accomplished through COVID era teaching for three years. Um, and it was, it really is a time capsule in so many ways. And that book launch was, it was really the, you know, before the final goodbye, that was like, this is really the last thing we're going to do together at this level. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is the final event. This is, this is a grand finale. <clears throat> and it was so positive and you got to, you know, you helped out and you interviewed the kids and the, for people who haven't seen it, you yeah, that to, was fun. You need to go watch mm-hmm. the launch video. Um, it's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. Uh, if you can't find it, just let me know. But it's, uh, you know, you interviewing the kids and, you know, I have all of that like B roll footage, you know, I had to cut down, you know, hours of footage to a 10 minute video or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but there, I mean, there's so, there's so many funny things that like, out of context, like they're, they're not that funny, but knowing who the kids are and 
you know, listening to the conversations y'all had. I mean, they just cracked me up and the kids love doing it because, you know, the way we set it up, it was like this little, it was a, it was a movie launch, you know, it was a book launch. It was, and they got to sign books and they got to live this life that, uh, hopefully doesn't, I hope my goal with all of it really was to be like, guys, you can do this. Like this is this experience of signing books, feeling like you're, you know, number one, feeling like you've accomplished something great, you know, really having something tangible. This is something you can build for yourself. And they all know my story. They know the life that I went through to kind of get to where I'm at. And it, for me, it was like my final lesson for them in some ways, which was like, you can achieve something like this. You know, you don't have to write books. You don't have to do that. Whatever you feel like is achievable. You want to be a streamer. You want to be a, uh, a choreographer. You want to be a musician. You want to be a business owner. You want to be a housewife, a house dad, you know, whatever it is that you want to do with your life, you can accomplish it. And this is my testimony, my success in any of this to them. That's all I wanted them to take away from it. It's like, yeah, this is cool, but build it for yourself. Now, this is, this is Chastain's final thing for you go off and do it. And so it was definitely the highlight, probably one of the highlights of my life. I don't, I don't see how it couldn't be really, <laughs> but it was, right. it was, and you know, the cool thing about it was, is that I think, I think anyone who was there felt just the amount of positivity that came out of that whole kind of project, you know, our principal, she, the, one of the last things she said to me, you know, as she was retiring was she goes, I'm so glad I got to experience something like that. Cause she was like, I have never experienced an event like that kind of hosted by a teacher. There was nothing involved. All it was, was, you know, a book being written with kids and published and a celebration. That's really all it was. And they, uh, you know, the fact that there's so many people who were positive about that, that so many families were happy about it. And the fact that it created such a impactful, just positive feeling for everything was unmatched. It has to be number one. It'll probably be number one for a very long time until I can pull it off again somehow. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but that's it. Well, that's, that's, that's my five. Well, that's, that was my five, but I, you know, there's one other thing that I think was because now you've, you've brought in, you've brought in other things besides just what I thought I was just only going with the classroom, but <laughs> you know, the fact that we, you and Always I, we did our, yeah, well, we're about to do another one. Yep. But it was really a big highlight when we uh, offered that first uh, professional development Facebook and we got to see the people who signed on and we got to actually talk to some of our mm -hmm. listeners. I mean, that really was a big highlight for me. I was really excited, went home, told mom, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe all these people that, you know, actually came in and asked us questions. And, you know, we, we got to talk to them for at least an hour after we already did our presentation. So uh, it, it was pretty a, a neat thing. And then uh, that time when we had, um, I think Courtney came on and she um, interviewed us. I thought that was kind of mm -hmm. fun. So those two moments, as far as for our podcast, those were pretty, pretty high for me. Uh, so it was pretty cool. For sure. Well, and it's, uh, you know, just uh, this is a nice capstone, I guess, for the year of Craft and Draft, too, is uh, our... You know, this whenever you start something new is scary because, I mean, it could fail. Mm -hmm. No one could care. And this show... You know, when we started it, I convinced you to jump on. I was like, you know what? Just give us some time. You know, it takes a while to find people. And 
you know, there's some, I have a teach me teacher audience that does care about literacy to the point. And a lot of them have come over to craft and draft for a little bit more of a personal podcast, but, um, truthfully, so many people have just discovered the show. Um, and it's been, it's, it's been a really cool thing to have such a personal thing. Cause there's a lot of people who listen to teach me teacher who I have relationships with just cause they DM or they listen or they've commented, but craft and draft is so personal that I feel like we know a lot of them really well. And a lot of the listeners really well. And I feel like they, the way, because of the way this show's structured and <laughs> because it's really just us talking and kind of going through the process that, you know, you, you just kind of get to know everyone, um, and it's a, it's a cool experience is to have a small little community of people. So I second that one. That can be our dual sixth. All right. There um, we go. But ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Craft Draft Podcast. An hour of talking about the top five events. What were your top five? Maybe one of them was listening to the podcast. I don't know. Maybe not. Let us know. Send us a DM. We would love to read some of those. Uh out on the next show we'd love to read comments questions concerns if you want more content though if you enjoyed this episode and you want more positivity you want more of a culture around your teaching join us on patreon we have tons of bonus episodes bonus videos we have a training coming up on january 7th that you need to be a part of i think you're going to absolutely love it if you can't be there you can still sign up and get the video later whether you're a patreon supporter or not come back next week for another wonderful podcast we'll be heading in to 2023 what will it hold for craft the draft i don't know but subscribe so you don't miss anything leave a review so other people know that this podcast is worthy of their time and also know that we are here for you have a great new year's everyone